Obviously, we're going to be in the book of one of the Gospels. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 15. But I kind of want to give you the background a little bit. In this chapter, there's this encounter with the Pharisees. And they come to Jesus and say, why don't your disciples wash their hands before they eat? And it turns into a big, like, kind of fight. They're always looking to fight. You ever notice they always want to fight with Jesus? If anyone you shouldn't pick a fight with is Jesus. Any kind of fight, especially a theological one. Just don't pick a fight with God when it comes to theology. But Jesus really basically told him, honestly, it's not what goes in that makes you unclean, but what comes out of your mouth, because that really comes from the heart. And so after that encounter, Jesus withdraws. And then after that encounter I'm going to talk about, he comes back and he does this great miracle of feeding the 4,000. But in the middle of that encounter, there's a great story. And sometimes we don't like to, I don't know, not like. It's a, it's a different story. And so I just want to kind of tell you about this. It's a G, Jesus and the Canaanite woman. And it's also recorded in the book of Mark. But it's about this woman who is in this region that Jesus withdraws to. And he encounters her. And sometimes when we read stories like that, you think it's like by chance or something. God doesn't do anything by chance. But in underlying all of that is this truth that Jesus' story is about her great faith. But there's an underlying message, too, and that's what I love about Jesus. He's so layered, and the Bible's so complex, but it's also simple. Under that message is this message of mission and ministry. There's a mission that Jesus was on, and then there's a particular ministry, a way by which he would go about completing this great mission. If you don't know anything about um, the area that he went to, uh, in the Bible, we, it's called Tyre or Sidon. But really, all that is is Canaan. If you go back to the Old Testament, um, the Canaanite, that's the area we're talking about. It'd be the area where uh, Joshua had the battle of Jericho. And they were... Really, the Canaanites were not very godly people. They were pagans, and probably the worst kind of pagans. I'm sorry, should I not come down? I'm off the floor, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I'm going to read the story, and then we're going to jump in. Is that cool? But just remember the background. He withdrew from the Pharisees, and he's come to this area where there's still some pagans, and then he's going to go back. But if you notice something about Jesus, anytime there is some kind of tension, oftentimes the Bible will say he withdraws. And that's not because he's running. That's because he is very focused on his mission and his ministry and the timing of all things. And he's submitted to the Holy Spirit and the will of God. So he kind of withdraws. And here's the story. Matthew 15, we're going to read 21 through 28. It says this. And Jesus went away from them, withdraw, withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by demons. But he did not answer her a word. I just want to stop right there. <laughs> That's crazy, right? That's a crazy thing. It's someone crying and saying, Hey, my daughter is... Possessed by demons. But the Bible says he didn't say a word to her. I just want you to take note of that. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away. 
for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So sometimes we read that story. It's not one of those typical stories we like to read and everything, but it's there. It's in Matthew and in the book of Mark. So I want to go back to verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus loves to withdraw, especially when their timing is utterly important for him to do so. So he withdraw. And he goes to an area, I think, intentionally to encounter this woman. We, we've seen this before in Jesus, right? The lady at the well. Remember when he went through Samaria? That wasn't the best route to go where he was going. But he went through Samaria, met this woman at the well, you know, and all this. Jesus loves to withdraw. He loves to go places to encounter people for a particular reason. Because he's always on mission. And so one of the questions we have to ask ourselves, what's our mission? What was the mission of God? Well, the Bible gives a clear indication, right? The Bible in John 1.17 says what? For I come not to condemn the world, but to save it. So his mission was to proclaim the kingdom of God and to bring people into the kingdom of God, to save them. That was his mission. But his ministry was unique and distinctive. So he says he withdraws to this area, this very pagan area, I think, just to meet this woman. I love that about Jesus. So he meets her, right? And what does the Bible say that happens? Let me get back to my notes. And it says, and behold, a Canaanite woman comes from the region, from that region, and came out crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, for my daughter is possessed by demons. Now, how many of you guys would be running to Jesus if your kid was possessed by demons? Right? How many of us would run to them? So oftentimes when I read this story, the most questions I get, why did Jesus call her a dog? That's really not the focus of the text at all, by the way. But we're going to explain that. But the focus of the text was a woman was desperate, in need of something to happen for her daughter that no one else could do. She was desperate, crying out, help my daughter, Lord. Demons have her, help her. And so Jesus says nothing. How would you feel? Just doesn't respond. He doesn't even say a word to her. So is he making her beg? What is he doing? What's, what is Jesus doing in this encounter? His disciples even say, I love his disciples, don't you? <laughs> Send her away. She keeps making all this noise. I don't know if you guys remember the great story in Luke, you know, 18, when the blind beggar is yelling, Lord, have mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David. And the disciples said, shut up. The crowd says, shut up. Stop bugging Jesus. Jesus. 
But do you know that Christ or help are not a bug or bugging Jesus? They're not a nuisance to him. He always has a plan. Always. So she cries out. And I often think Jesus likes to test our faith. How many of you guys agree with that? Does Jesus like to test your faith? How many of you guys like it? How many of you guys say, Jesus, test my faith all you want. I can't wait. Please test it. <laughs> we don't say that. Most of the time we're saying, please don't test my faith. <laughs> but Jesus says nothing. His disciples do what disciples do. They put their foot in their mouths. Send her away. <laughs> she keeps making all this noise, Lord. Just send her away. <laughs> I love Jesus' response to his disciples. He answered, I was sent only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That doesn't seem like it fits the person of Jesus, does it? I don't really care about you, but that's not what he's saying, folks. Instantly, he says, I do have a mission, but I also have a distinct ministry. My focus is the lost sheep of Israel. So what we don't realize, you have to go back to the Old Testament to understand this language a little bit. Remember I told you about Canaan? And the, and the tension between the king of Israel and the Canaanites, the Canaanites were pagan. And the term dog was really a term we often used back then to refer to pagan people. It wasn't a racist insult. It wasn't even an insult at all. It's actually a practical truth that he was saying your people, how you live, everything about you is an opposition to God. And I didn't come here to you first. I came here for God's people first. And that's what he's saying. But then she, who is having her test faith, I meant faith tested, I love this. How many of you guys would have been offended right then, being called a dog? Right? Do you know race in the Bible wasn't really an issue for this lady? You know what I love about her the most? She doesn't even care that Jesus says that about her people. No, she says, even the dogs can eat from the crumbs that fall from the table. That's what she says. Because she recognizes her great need. For the son of David. Now here's what you have to think about. How did this Canaanite woman know about the term the son of David? In the Old Testament, it was more of a promise that David would always have someone in the line that would be on the throne. But in the New Testament, it was converted to, for the Jews to the Messiah, the saving one. That's why the blind beggar in Luke said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus, I love that story too. I know I'm interweaving stories, but that's what I love about Jesus, the stories. So in that story, he's walking, and they tell him to shut up. He, the Bible says he yells all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. He said, bring him to me. I love when Jesus gets like, like forceful. Like he gets like, oh, yes. And he said, what do you want me to do? I said, Lord, I want to see he said, receive your sight. Because anytime you're going to interrupt Jesus' ministry, it has to be to the greater calling of Jesus' mission. The saving of souls. 
So this lady says, okay, even if I'm a dog, Jesus, even if my people are pagan, even if we have rejected you, I acknowledge that you are the Messiah, the saving one of Israel. And even if your crumbs fall from the table, you can do something for my daughter. You can make a difference. And I know no one else can. So Jesus, son of David, would you have mercy on me? Would you heal my daughter? And you want to know something? Anytime you have that kind of faith, I'm going to tell you guys, and I'm going to go on a theological limb here. I don't really think it's one, but you might. When you have great faith in a saving God and you cry out, what do you think he's going to do? What do you think he's going to do, church? He's going to hear you. Sometimes you have to keep crying out, though. Sometimes we give up. My mom would always say, we're just one prayer away, one step away from a breakthrough or a miracle. But we stop because God doesn't instantly hear us or he hears us. He doesn't answer us. Or we get offended by maybe what he says to us. So we stop. And I'm telling you, church, you can't stop. When you have a desperate situation, keep crying out to Jesus. Sometimes he's just testing your faith. He's just seeing if it, what you say is real. If you really want it. If you really want the son of David to intervene into your situation in your life. I can guarantee you right now, some of you guys are in desperate situation. You come here, you put a nice smile on, but your heart's broken. Your situation is overwhelming. I love Jesus. Don't you love when you just give simple truths to? Don't be overcome because I've overcome the world. It's easy for you to say, Jesus. <laughs> You're God. <laughs> right now I'm dying. I can't even breathe. My kids are a mess, my marriage is a mess, my life's a mess. But we don't have the faith like a Canaanite pagan woman. Even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from your table, Jesus. That's all I'm asking for is your crumbs. I don't care if you call me a dog. I know my people. I know what they teach. I know they're pagans. I know they are diametrically opposed to who you are. But I individually am crying out to you, Jesus, have mercy, because I also know the truth, that you are the living God, and I need you. So I love that story. I love a lot of the cool stories. I'm going to challenge you guys to do something. Why don't you start... I don't know. I don't really know if I have a right to challenge you, but since I'm preaching the word, I think I might. I want you guys to just go through the gospel and read the encounters of Jesus. There's really cool encounters. Read them like you never read them before. Be amazed by Jesus again. Be amazed at the God who has a mission and very intensely focus on his ministry will always stop ministry when it's for the sake of the greater mission. I just want to tell you something, church. We have to do that too. But I want to get to my second point here. 
And it's this. You are uniquely designed. Do you know that? For a ministry that God has called you to. Do you know that? Some of them will be extremely difficult. And you might have to withdraw sometimes and rest. I don't know if you remember. Remember there was time when Jesus had to withdraw? One of the, my favorite encounters in John 14, after John the Baptist, I met Matthew 14, after John the Baptist was beheaded, it said Jesus withdrew to a desolate place. John was his boy. He could have said no. Remember when John sent his disciples to Jesus and said, hey, go ask him if, if he, he's, he's the one. And Jesus said, the blind see, the lame walk. But you know what he was telling John? I'm not going to rescue you, John. You're going to die. But when he died, Jesus went to a desolate place. I think his, his heart hurt. He could have, but he, that wasn't what he was supposed to do for John. John was going to become an example of a faithful person, even unto death. But I'm sure Jesus' heart broke. I know it broke over Lazarus. The Bible said Jesus wept. And when, when Mary said, Lord, if you would have only been here, if you just would have been here early, my brother would be alive. And Jesus said, where have you laid him? See, what I love about Jesus, he cares so much, but he's always committed completely to the will of God, to his mission and to his ministry. But you have a unique ministry, and it might be hard, right? might be difficult, but no one else can fill it. No one else. And some of us are just sitting on the sides, guys. We're just sitting here and we're saying, oh, I'm just going to go on with my nice, easy Christian life. And so your ministry is suffering because you're not fulfilling it. And some people say, Don, I'm tired. You think Jesus wasn't tired? Remember in the garden when he said, couldn't he even stay up and pray with me? You don't think he's tired? Yes, he got tired. He was fully human and fully God. And yes, don't ask me how that all works. I've never been God, so I can't tell you. But he was fully human. He got tired and everything. And there was times he needed to withdraw to rest and to think and maybe process. There's other times he had to withdraw because God had an interruption in his ministry for the greater cause of his mission. But for the most of the time, he was on mission, and on ministry. And so what's your unique calling to ministry? Because you have one. We're all called for the mission of God, but uniquely designed for a ministry in Jesus Christ. What is that? Jesus knew his. The children of Israel. He would interrupt it for the greater cause of a mission, but he even said, hey, I'm going to heal you, but this isn't my reason for coming. My reason is for Israel, and then as I train up disciples, they're going to go to all the world. But I will definitely interrupt for great faith, for cries of mercy, because I'm a merciful God. So I want to ask you, what's your ministry? How many of you guys have stopped 
And now all you are, you just take in, but you're not giving out. And so I'm pretty sure that I'm stepping on toes now. I don't really mean to step on your toes, but one thing I promised God, I would never sacrifice the truth of his word, even for my own sake or comfort. Guys, we have a world waiting for us to be on mission and in ministry. We have a dying world. We have walking dead people around us everywhere. We have people in the church who are suffering, need us to be in on ministry, doing what God has called us to do. We don't get not to do that. So I just want to ask you, have you ever asked God, God, what's my ministry? And help me be committed to it. I love the big takeaways from this is that as we walk in ministry, God will start to show us amazing things. If you don't believe me, look at all the disciples. Look at all of the lives of the faithful people who were committed to the ministry that God called them to. And see the impact they had on the world around them. You want to know why we're not having great impact on the world around us? Not because the gospel has lost its authority or power. The Bible has told us the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech or pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest field. Do we believe that? We believe that the gospel or the power of the word of God is no longer effective? Or do we believe that it is the power of God unto salvation? To whoever believes. Do we think that God is done saving, rescuing? I don't care what secular humanism tells us. There is a God who is bigger than our philosophies. There's a God who's bigger than all the problems that we see in the world today. There's a God who's bigger than this sexual identity crisis, than this political separation, this bias and all this, this racism, this hate. There's a God who's much bigger than all that. And there is no weapon that's fashioned against him that will prosper. Do we still believe that? Because if we do, we get on with him. We get in the game and we get on ministry. We start to say, God, what do you want of me? And he'll tell you. You ever notice that? God loves to tell you what he wants from you. How many of you guys right now come to know your ministry, what God has put in your heart? How many, hey, that's a question. You guys are like your students. I'll ask the question, they just look at me. Now I know where they get it from. <laughs> you guys, I went through the same thing. Sometimes I get so discouraged I want to give up on my ministry. And then God asked me one question. Have I ever given up on you? If you are to be my disciple, you must take up your cross daily and follow me. You have to be on ministry, God. Don, you don't get a choice. You don't get a choice to quit, to stop. This is the last thing I'm going to say. I don't know how much time I have, so I'm just going to try to end it here. I love that some of us get older and we want to retire. I love that. I think it's awesome. 
to retire so you can do more ministry. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I think that's what we should do. I tell people the best two ages to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, well, all ages are good. When you're young and you don't have kids and you have freedom when you're old and all your kids are gone and you have money. That's <laughs> the best time. And God's going to call you to great things even as you get older, guys. Don't buy into this philosophy of the world that you're going to retire and sit on the beach. You know, there's not a whole, well, there are a whole lot of unsaved people on the beach. So if your ministry is beach ministry, awesome. If not, don't go to the beach. <laughs> Just telling you. But be on ministry. Be on point. Know the mission to seek and to save the lost. To proclaim the kingdom of God to declare the gospel to a lost and dying world and find your ministry. Because when you don't do it, oh, I better be careful. It's not good, let's just say that. God has great plans for you. And he wants you to walk in them. Right? Ephesians 2.10 well, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance that you may walk in them. Some of you, it's your family right now, moms and dads. When you have little ones, that's probably your most precious ministry. may not be the only one, but it'll be the most important. But figure it out. Honor Christ with your life and not just your words. Don't just attend church, be the church. Get outside of these walls and do the ministry God has called you to. And watch the God of creation change the landscape of eternity because of your obedience. Can I pray with us?